Hello and welcome to another episode of Adam for Baseball. This is your host, Adam, and we have a little bit of baseball to talk about. Uh, a, a very, very good week uh, for me, a little bit of a rebound in the, in the Yahoo Fantasy Department. Um, some of some guys that have been slumping, kind of coming back in a big way. Um, Gunnar Henderson's been playing really well. Um, Jonathan India's been fantastic. Um, had some injuries. Vinny Pasquantino uh, out probably for the season, it looks like. Shoulder surgery. Um, Ryan O'Hearn's come on strong for Baltimore. They seem to have a, a, a next man up, and it plays out very well for them. Um, O'Hearn's a good player, though. I watched him quite a bit with Kansas City, and he seemed like a good player there, but there really wasn't any room for him um, when they had Hunter Dozier and all that. And with Bobby Witt playing short or third, then Hunter Dozier was going to play first. I, th- I don't even know if that's what Hunter Dozier's doing right now, to be honest with you. Um, oops, I may have clicked the wrong thing there. I was trying to pull up some stuff about Kansas City here. Let's take a look at Kansas City. They're playing tonight in Detroit. Uh, it's a 0-0 game after two innings. Yeah, they have at first base tonight, they have, oh, that's right, Nick Prado. We had talked about him before. Um, the twin series here this past weekend was awful. They played the Tigers, and they lost three of four to the Tigers. The Tigers really have a couple guys that kind of stuck out to me. One of them I want to talk about um, is Kerry Carpenter. He just has a nice swing, a nice approach. Um, he's hitting 279 this year in 104 at-bats, so not a crazy amount so far, but a good amount to kind of get an idea of what he can do. 329 on base, 817 OPS. So, yeah, 29 hits in 104 at-bats. I like that. Scored 13 runs. Not as good, but not bad, right? Um, and then the the five home runs, 10 RBIs. The RBIs are not there. The runs aren't there. But you're seeing signs of what could happen if this team can figure things out. Because I saw a couple swings. I saw some of this approach from Spencer Torkelson where you, you really do understand what they like about him. He's not terrible this year like he was at the beginning last year he's having a much better start this guy is the first overall pick from only three years ago um he did go to college so he's not like you know i think he's 20 gonna be 24 so he's not like a baby or anything like that but still like he hasn't had a lot of time at the big league level he's got eight home runs um in 26 or 261 at bats this year so so he's got about a 30, what, 34, 33 um, at-bats per home run. You want to see that higher for Spencer. It will get better, I think. he's. You see it. Like, watch him. He's already has the same amount of um, – he has, already has the same amount of home runs as he did last year, right? So he had 110 games under his belt last year, 36 or 360 at-bats. He had eight home runs last year. He already has that this year. He already almost has as many walks as last year. He's striking out less. 
And well, actually, I'm sorry, that's not true. He's not striking out less. He has more doubles already than last year. He has more RBIs than last year. He's playing much better. He's also they're batting him second right now. I think he's there's some guys you can kind of see. You're like, oh yeah, that's right. They've been but they've been in a rebuild for a long time, and now Miguel Cabrera is going to be out of there, and with Miguel Cabrera comes a lot of money as well. This is a team that I think you got to keep an eye on. Um, they have like a. They, they have a lot of these guys that, like, um, Nick Maton, uh, still a pretty young guy, uh, came out of that Philadelphia Phillies um, organization. Uh, he's not hitting that great this year. His average is, is struggling, but they're giving him playing time. And I love to see that if you're a team that's kind of maybe understanding that you're rebuilding. I think that's the thing I've always liked about the Tigers a little bit. Um and Maton was a part of a trade that they had. So they had they had traded Gregory Soto, Gregory Soto, and Cody Clemens, um, or in the off season, um, to Philadelphia. And they got Matt Veerling, Nick Maton, and Donnie Sands. I really like Matt Veerling. Veerling ended up being out yesterday. He I don't know why he wasn't in. He's not in again today. So what's going on there? So this is a team that I'm really kind of interested in, if you can't tell. There's something there's something about them I think is really, um, really cool, uh, potentially. I, I'm sure the fan base is like, dude, there's not anything fun. Watch this division. The Twins are, what, the best team in the division, technically, record-wise? And they're terrible offensively. They're so bad. They're so annoying to watch at the plate. One of the best things about all that series was I got to see um, Jordan Belazovic pitch for the Twins. They called him up. Sadly, it came at the expense of Jorge Lopez, who um, had to go on the mental um, um, health IL. So I hope Jorge gets better. Um, we do really like him in Minnesota. He's he's a pretty fun guy, and he really he went from pitching really well to all of a sudden like. Like he looked looked like something was wrong, but you thought it was mechanically. Not even mechanically, just something was off. Maybe he was. I thought maybe he was sick. I remember thinking he was like had the flu. But no, I end up end up there's there's stuff going on. This is the fourth player this year that's gone on the mental health IL. So anyway, getting back to um, Blazovic, he got called up because Jorge is going to be out for a while. And he came up, and this is a guy, I remember, he was a first-rounder for the Twins. I think Blazovic was a first-rounder. Now I'm second-guessing myself. And he got in trouble this past year because he got he broke his jaw. He got in a, a fight at a, like at a bar. And um, he looked very good yesterday. That was exciting to watch. Like, he's been in the minors for, what, seven seasons? Obviously, the, the COVID season kind of was a big... Big setback for him. He didn't pitch super well in AAA this year. Um, he's on the top 20 prospects list for the Twins. Um, and he pitched three and two-thirds and pitched very good. He didn't give up a run, uh, an earned run. He has a nice fastball, uh, really nice slider. It might actually be considered a, a sweeper. But there is something there. He's got a cool delivery. Um, Louis Varlin struggled again with the long ball. Um, 
and and Blazovic came in and kind of, in my opinion, was the highlight of the day. It was very exciting to see that. Um, so, yeah. Um, back to the Tigers, though. Okay, the Tigers have have like prospects. So that's the thing you got to think about too. Is they have guys, they're gonna they're gonna have the opportunity to. They're going to have the opportunity to, um, I don't know, bring up talent over time here. So their um, second number two prospect, Colt Keith, he they, they, they've talked about there was whispers that maybe he'd be up this year, but it looks like he won't be, right? So he... Um, He's probably going to, they're going to give him one more year, but he's the guy. Colt Keith could be the guy, right? You, if you can get Spencer going and then you got some of these other guys that they've traded for that could end up being something, and they add some veterans to the mix, or I don't know what, I'm sure Javi Baez is supposed to be part of this core, but Javi is so wild at the plate. He obviously, when he's going, he's, he's very exciting, but. If you don't pitch it in the strike zone, he can't do anything. He's going to swing and miss because he loves to swing at everything. They have a um, a prospect pitcher named Wilmer Flores, which is super confusing uh, because we have a Wilmer Flores that is um, a second and third baseman and first baseman. And I think he plays for the Giants still. And so that's going to be interesting. Same, same spelling and everything. But he's supposed to maybe po- possibly get called up this year. They got uh, Justin Henry Malloy, who's in AAA right now. Could very well get called up this year, if anything, in September. Parker Meadows, he's in AAA. Don't think we'll see him this year because he's an outfielder, but probably next year. Reese Olsen, another pitcher. He's already been called up. Um, Their closer has so much nasty stuff. Ultimately, I'm telling you all this because I think the Tigers – are a team to watch for potential players to have in dynasty. They're a team that has been kind of just poo-pooed, but they're still 30 and 40 with how poor they've played and how poor they've played in June. They've been very bad in June. They were playing pretty much 500 ball before that. And I don't know that they're interested. They're, they're a very interesting team. And I like to see Yes, it's been a long rebuild for them. Yes, it's had to have been frustrating. It's the it's the swan song. It's the last the last run for um, the last run for Miguel Cabrera, you know. But he's getting to teach these guys. Spencer Torkelson's getting to spend every day with Miguel Cabrera learning this game. I don't think he'd be upset about that. They have Zach McKinstry, who was always a great utility guy for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And now he's leading off for the Tigers, getting an opportunity to play every day, batting 246. That's like above league league average. That's above his career um, batting average. Um, he's, you know, stolen 10 bases this year. He had stolen only eight in his career um, before that. So there are things happening there that I think you can be excited about if you're a Tigers fan and if you're looking for potential players to have in deeper leagues or having a dynasty league or look for in August and September when they're going to continue to call guys up. But, um, yeah, I, I think there's some really exciting stuff. But their closer, what is his name? This guy was throwing the nastiest stuff. Jason Foley. 
He's got that curly mullet and the mustache. And that dude, he's pitched 31 games this year, 28 strikeouts only somehow in 31 in the third. But he looked so nasty yesterday. His whip is 1.05 this year. He's got two wins. He only has three saves. I don't know who their closer was before, but it looks like he's the guy now, and he looks very strong. So if you're looking for someone near bullpen that I think looks very good right now, that is this Jason Foley for the Tigers. And so I, I just kind of got excited watching them. You know, the Twins are so frustrating for me, and the Tigers beat them with a bullpen game again. Um, I thought that Justin Morneau brought up a really interesting point yesterday. I know that some Twins fans don't like him in the broadcast booth. I do like him personally. He said, you know, these bullpen games, I figured when they were going to do another one, the problem is you're increasing your odds that that one of these guys is going to not be able to be on his game, right? So they ran a total of seven pitchers out there yesterday. The odds that w- one in seven pitchers, like or that out of seven pitchers, that zero struggle is very low. The, the odds are not low. Um uh, you know, and there was a guy that struggled, and that was um, Lang. He came in. His first pitch to Michael Taylor wasn't even close. Looked like he had no grip. And then the second pitch sailed and hit Michael Taylor, A. Taylor, in the back of the head and neck. It was an awful sight to see. There was no control. And I think that was the scary part is that it didn't – there's things like when a guy's had control all game – or like has been in pitching in and then he hit somebody. But this was the first two pitches out of this guy's hand. You didn't know where it was going to go. And that's scary. And Michael thankfully was able to get up and he came out. I haven't heard anything else from him, but that was scary. And then Lang proceeded to not get any outs. He only gave up one hit, but he walked um, a total of two batters and he gave up three runs. Like, then Foley came in, and he shut it down. He, he had uh, two innings, gave up one hit, and he had four strikeouts. And he caught, I think, I think he had three strikeouts looking. It was disgusting. Yes, the Twins have struck out the second most in the majors per game. But I thought Foley looked very good, and a 1.04 whip is proof that he's pitching well this year. Okay? So, yeah, that's my Tigers report, by the way. So <laughs> I'm going to probably have a report for you because it obviously I, I try to watch a lot of different games, but there is an investment I have in the Minnesota Twins. So when I watch them play a certain team, I'm kind of paying attention to that a bit more. Um, and tonight the Twins start a four-game series hosting the Boston Red Sox. A very interesting series. Pablo Lopez versus James Paxton. Very fun matchup. Another series that's starting tonight. The Arizona Diamondbacks versus the Milwaukee Brewers. We have Merrill Kelly, Corbin Burns. These are the games, in my opinion, if you have Merrill Kelly or Corbin Burns, Pablo Lopez, or James Paxton on your team, you need to be watching these games, right? These are the matchups you need to be watching. How do, like, the Minnesota Twins are striking out the second most per game in the major leagues. 
Can James Paxton take advantage of that? He's been very good against the Twins in his career. I think he has a 2.27 ERA in his career against the Twins. He's been good at target field. There's no reason he doesn't dominate tonight. He's been having a very good year. Boston needs him to do this. They've talked. They've ESPN. They've already poo-pooed Boston and said that there's no way that they get in the playoffs this year. Yada yada yada. Because the AL East is too good. I don't really care for that um, thought because Boston's 37 and 35, and their injuries are such a crazy thing. Tampa Bay and Baltimore are arguably running. Um, they're arguably running. Uh, how do I put this? They're playing a little above what they probably should be. Tampa Bay has a 680 winning percentage. That's insane. That's insane for Major League Baseball. Okay, everybody kind of knows that that that's wild. The Yankees have lost four in a row. Boston took it to them. Like they were great in that series. You know. Um, Toronto has not been that good. They're 39 and 34, but they've not been that good. They haven't scored runs like they can. So I think the thing to keep an eye on is at Toronto, when they do start scoring runs, or I'm assuming they will, um, Toronto will, like if you have Bo Bichette, Vlad Jr., um, Dalton Varsho, Matt Chapman, George Springer, I know I'm missing somebody, but if you have those hitters, like, they're gonna they're gonna have some nice some nice uh, games coming up some nice stretches so like you have a team like Toronto I want to point out a couple of these these are these are some of my favorite stats they're 39 and 34 as a team um, they have a, a plus 15 run differential I think it's the only division in Major League Baseball that has a plus that every team has a plus run differential yep and they are better at home than they are away. And then they're 24 and 30 against teams with a record greater than 500. They're the only team in the AL East that has a losing record against teams better than 500. Um, the Cleveland Guardians have a losing record, but they, are, they have a winning record against teams over 500. Houston Astros have a losing record against teams over 500. LA Angels do as well. Both those teams are playing pretty good baseball overall record-wise. Um, where is the other team? I had another one. Nobody in the NL Central has a winning record against teams better than with a 500 record or greater. Um, the Diamondbacks, that's kind of their the crux of them is they're beating the bad teams and they're... 500 against teams over 500. The Giants have been playing really well. They're 8-2 in their last 10 games. They have went ahead of the Dodgers in the NL West. They're 3.5 behind the Diamondbacks. San Francisco is such a weird organization. They really are. Remember, they were all really all in on trying to get um, you know, um, Carlos Correa. They almost had him on their team. And instead, they bring back Brandon Crawford, and Brandon Crawford's been okay. He hasn't been great. But what's been really impressive is their young studs they brought up. Patrick Bailey's been very good at catcher. 
Right up Casey Schmidt. He was fun. Tyro Estrada's having a fantastic year. Michael Conforto is starting to look like Michael Conforto. And if that can be the thing and he can anchor them at that cleanup spot, this team's scary because Lamont Wade Jr. is playing great out of the leadoff spot. So tonight, here's another matchup. You have Michael Waka going against, who is it, Ryan Walker? Yeah, Ryan Walker. And Ryan actually has been good in his first two starts. So I'm very interested, or not first two starts. I'm so sorry. He's a reliever. I don't know who they're, um, I don't know who's following him up. But Ryan Walker's opening, and he's been good out of that role is what I should say. But Michael Walker's pitching. Michael has been fantastic. Again, he's kind of, there was something they figured out when he was in Boston it kind of went from when he went from Tampa Bay to Boston, I think it was. Or was it the other way around? No, it was when he was in Boston. Yeah, and he you could just see last year. He Remember, he got hurt, though. He had, like, dead arm or something like that. And But he's figured something out. And he's facing a team that strikes out a lot. That's, that's the knock against the Giants. They strike out a lot, the most in the majors per game. But they have a really good team average. Um, they're facing an offense that is really starting to, I think, click um, in the San Diego Padres. This is going to be a very fun series, a divisional series. You don't have as many of these now anymore, and I think that's what makes these series so fun. I think that's why that Twins-Tigers one was so surprising because well, you don't have Twins-Tigers playing against each other as much, and then the Tigers take three out of four in Minnesota. That's wild, Okay. So there's games to watch, there's series to keep an eye on, and 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 take time to learn learn a little bit about what you're watching too. Um, you have Colorado playing in Cincinnati, very kind of exciting series. Um, uh, Kevin Newman did hit a, I think he let off with a home run tonight. Yeah, so that's uh, interesting. Austin Gomber, he's you know. Not been good. He has a, what, a 7.32 ERA? Yeah. And that's over 67 innings. He only has 44 strikeouts. He was so much better last year. Like, it's really tough to watch a guy struggle. And so many people want to play, play Coors Field, but he's not playing well anywhere. You know, there's a point where Yes, I understand. The park factor at Coors Field, there is an increase, right? We, we understand that. There's, there are more hits that happen there. It's a little bit more double-friendly. So what the thing is, a lot of people think it's home runs. And it is, like some du deep doubles can turn into home runs. But ultimately what you're seeing happen there is singles become doubles, okay? That's what causes more runs typically there. And... Uh, so you always need a good outfield. And so when the Rockies have had good teams, they've always had good outfields, right? So when they had Cargo in his prime, Chuck Nasty, you know, they had uh, Tulo at short. They'd have Trevor Story back when they had him. So they'd had a good good middle infielders, and they had a good outfield. And, and the pitching kind of can do well there. It really can. It's... So they're, they're always kind of looking for sinker ball pitchers. You always see them with sinker ball pitchers because they're looking for guys that can induce ground balls. We get it, you know. But then they're playing tonight in a place that arguably 
you know, if I was to look up park factor, um, park factors, uh, MLB. Okay, we're just gonna do that. Uh, park factors, that cast park factors, okay? So from 2021 to 2023, number one is the Rockies with a 112 park factor. Okay. Only three points behind them is Fenway Park. Only four points behind them is Great American Ballpark where the Rockies are playing tonight. These... They're not alone is what I'm trying to say. They have the obvious... So, like, where they're really... Like, the, the highest home run park factor is Great American Ballpark. The Rockies are eighth Yankee Stadium's third why is Yankee Stadium third because they have that right field that I could go hit a home run over okay I've hit a home I've hit balls that far I've hit I've hit a ball 329 feet so there's a chance even my weak scrawny self could knock it out of there Dodger Stadium the second highest home run park factor okay um now, when we go to where you're going to see the jump is triples, right? Triples, the highest. Doubles, second highest. So that's that's what you're seeing, right, is is those gap hits. The gap hits is where, where things are different at Coors Field. So I always get a little annoyed. And even in, in daily fantasy, people are sitting there thinking, well, i got to stack these Rockies games because there's going to be all these home runs. Well, it's, that's just not true. If it's at Great American Ballpark, that's when you stack. When it's at Dodger Stadium, that's when you stack. Yankee Stadium, Angel Stadium, Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago, American Family Field, and I think it's when they have the roof open in, in Milwaukee. I think that's the catch, by the way. Um, Oriole Park and Camden Yard just changed a little bit because they changed their dimensions. But like, then you look at big-time hitters' parks, right? Who suppresses home runs? Um, or who has the lowest park factors? T-Mobile Park in Seattle. This is, by the way, this is a major league baseball site. Baseball savant, baseball savant. MLB.com. Okay, you can find so much information. That's been the huge push by Major League Baseball to to bring analytics to the fans. This is all public information. You can find this out for yourself as a fantasy baseball player or even just as a baseball fan or someone who's interested in numbers. You can go find this stuff out. So when you're trying to figure out, oh, man, should I play uh, Should I play my pitcher, um, uh, Sonny Gray, tonight? Well, where is he pitching? He's pitching at Coors Field. Boy, maybe do I need Sonny to pitch tonight? If I don't, maybe I should bench him if he's at Coors Field. Is he at Fenway Park? Yeah, maybe I should bench Sonny, if he's at Coors Field. Okay. Is he pitching at T-Mobile Park in Seattle? Okay, they have the lowest park factor. They actually have, I think, I think it's technically a negative park factor. And, yeah, this stuff's interesting. Like, Padres, second worst. Oakland Coliseum in, Oak, in uh, the Athletic Stadium, third. Mets, fourth. Raise fifth. We're going from lowest, right? This is lowest to less low. But, you know, 
Right in the middle is kind of your Blue Jays, Rangers, Twins, Astros, Braves. Although Braves are a time of year ballpark, right? It gets so hot, that ball can start to fly at Truce Park. So that's a thing that does change, okay? So you can do stuff too. You can change your all your factors, right? All your all your information here. So we're just do it for this year. Highest park factor is Coors Field. Then it's Fenway. Then it's Bush Stadium in St. Louis, Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City, and guaranteed right field. So it's a little different this year. Park factors changed a little bit. What does that mean? You know what I mean? Some of this has to do too with how good the pitching is, how good the bats are. So some of this stuff can seem a little skewed, right? But your typical middle-of-the-road teams are there, twins, rays. So as the year goes on and weather changes, especially in the West, it's worth keeping an eye on, okay? So I want to go back and I'll look at our players that we look at every week. Well, and those players, if you're not familiar with the podcast, are Jorge Mateo and Braxton Garrett. So let's look at Jorge. I think he hit, he got to his 20th stolen base since the last time we spoke. Okay. Um, Jorge is not playing tonight. There's no, they don't have a game. They have a day off. They go to Tampa Bay for two games. Then they host Seattle. So that's two pretty good teams that they're playing against this week. Uh, this past week, um, so we're going to just say from Monday to Sunday, so the 12th to the 18th of June. He uh, started in five games, and he went five for, what is that, 18? Five for 18, not bad. It's not a bad week. Um, what else did Jorge do here? He only scored one run, which is wild. He had two RBIs, and he had two stolen bases. So he's getting on base, though. And they weren't driving them in, which is kind of strange for them. But they also had a lot of low-scoring games, which is kind of not typical for them. Um, the only run he scored was the game that they had the most runs all week. They had scored 11 runs. But otherwise, it was 1, 4, 3, 2, 6. But they still managed to w win, like, a few of those. So they ended up, I think, 500 for the week. Um, so, yeah, he's at 20 stolen bases now. He's so fast. And he's only been thrown out three times. We get it. His bat still is not where we want to see it, especially if you have him on a fantasy team, right? It's, it's even worse, like, with standard Yahoo scoring. That's just not very good, right? It's like, I don't know if we can do this. So, But 5 for 18 is a 278 average. I'm not mad at that. I like 278. I'd be happy with it. The problem is only one run, two RBIs. Eh, we're not looking to Jorge for RBIs, but we do want runs. And especially in a game where he had two stolen bases, he had th those two stolen bases were in one game. And he got on base twice. He stole two bases. And I don't see the walks here. Walks don't factor into Yahoo standard scoring. But that can contribute to his you know, stolen bases and, and um, runs scored. But yeah, the two stolen bases, that's what you love, right? Like, that's going to help typically in a lot of matchups. So Jorge's been 
I'd say that's a, a good week for him. Okay. But it's still not where we want to see him. His, um, I think his, his roster, he's 43% rostered now. I think he's available in both of my leagues. No, he's only available in one of my leagues. Okay. Uh, a guy that I have seen climb is pretty much due to his monster weekend that he had is so we're not going to talk about Braxton Garrett yet we're going to talk about Eddie Rosario um if you don't know me personally you need to know that I love Eddie Rosario Eddie is one of my favorite players he I, I as a Twins fan I loved Eddie he's I was very sad when he left I understood like why the Twins didn't move forward with him but he's gone on to be a fan favorite at fan favorite in Atlanta and a World Series champion and it, I got so emotional seeing him with that World Series team and play so well in the playoffs too and he's such a fun fun guy to watch and against Detroit and then three games against Colorado like he's hit four homers in four straight games and a total of five home runs with that stretch Eddie in the past week Here's his numbers. Let's look it up. Now, this is the kind of this is the kind of guy, guy you'd want to have, right? Is a guy that had these numbers. So we're gonna figure this out real quick. So he was eight for sixteen. So that's uh, a five hundred average, and he <laughs> scored nine runs, five home runs, eleven RBIs. Now, mind you, those are against two teams that were really struggling. and But I don't care. That's monster numbers. And so his, his roster, he was like 15% rostered. He's now 29% rostered after um, Monday today. So it's pretty fun to see that. He's a very fun player. Now, let's take that. We're going to take that information we have. Obviously, buffs his numbers a little bit. But now he's hitting 265, 13 home runs, 37 RBIs. And you're like, well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. What's really good is he's on a very good team. And like I said about Truist Park, once it heats up there, that ball starts to fly a little more too. And there's another guy that's not rostered in a lot of leagues named Marcelo Zuna, and he's starting to heat up. Keep an eye on those guys. If you're looking to tackle this, is what we talked about I think two weeks ago, is targeting players on teams where the offenses are very good. Atlanta's one of those teams. Texas is one of those teams. Be paying attention to the guys that aren't being rostered heavily. Eddie Rosario, Marcelo Zuna, they're not bad bench guys to have when they have an opponent like you're seeing there, the Colorado Rockies, the Detroit Tigers. Take advantage of those matchups. It doesn't need to be season long. You're not being asked to stick with these guys all year long. Okay. So now Braxton Garrett. I've been, this has been probably one of my favorite players this year. He's been, he's been very exciting and it's fun to see him get better because I knew, I knew there was a line where he's going to get better and he did exactly what we wanted to see. We knew he just had the one start this week, this past week, and it was against Washington. He went six innings. Got the win, eight strikeouts, I think, what what was it, four hits and a walk. 
so his whip was .83. He's phenomenal. Against the team that strikes out least in Major League Baseball per game, the Washington Nationals, in Washington, where the ball's been carrying, he whiffed eight in six innings. And that's what we've been clamoring for. Especially if you're in a quality start leagues, you need him to get six innings because wins don't count. Like if you're in a, like I have a league where wins don't count. It's a quality start league. Quality starts and then a save and hold league, right? And he can go five and two thirds and get the win and that does nothing for you on the quality start because it needs to be six innings, three runs or less, okay? It doesn't need to be a win. So it's a really tricky stat, and he's only done it, I think, twice this year. So in those formats, he's not great, but he's showing now that he can be that in those formats. His whip now on the year with those crazy anomalous games against uh, Atlanta, that one really crazy one, like he's been very, very, very good. 1.22 whip despite that game. 77 strikeouts in 69 and two-thirds innings. He's now 40... 9% rostered. But how is he just that? Like, he's, I said this in the past, I'm going to say it again. In my two prize leagues, he's rostered. Like, he's been rostered for a while. It's not like a new thing. Okay? And so it's a little, it's a little perplexing that he's just up to 49% now. Um, they play at a great park to pitch at. He's going to host the Pittsburgh Pirates on Thursday. Okay? Um, he's a lefty. So that's also something to look at. I, I don't know. If you don't have him and you're hurting on pitching and you, he's available in your league, go get Braxton Garrett. And hopefully he can continue to pitch this well. I, he's been phenomenal. And he's not being rostered in half of the Yahoo leagues? Kidding me? kind of leagues are these? Eight-team leagues, I guess? I don't know. That's where the numbers get weird, right? Like competitive leagues, he bet you better have him in. Long and short of it, right? So we're almost done here. I just want to kind of take a look around the league, and I want to comment on a couple things. We have the Chicago Cubs and the Pittsburgh Pirates tonight, and Pittsburgh Pirates ran out um, a guy named um, – uh, Osvaldo Bito, and he pitched against the Cubs in his first start this year. He only went four innings, pitched 91 pitches, but was pretty good, only gave up one run. Tonight he's getting knocked around already. Two innings, five hits, three earned runs, a walk, and two strikeouts. So I don't think that's the issue with Bito. Also, I want to call him Vito all the time, like the Vito Shuffle by Bob Skaggs. You know, Bito, whoa. Um... Yeah, and it was like, it's not home runs. And it's not even um, doubles. It's just base hits he's getting dinged by tonight. So it's uh, it's pretty interesting. It's, um, it's the problem when you have a young pitcher who comes in, he had four good innings, right? Four good innings against a team that's doing pretty well in the Chicago Cubs. And then he has to face him his next start. Like, that's not good for a young pitcher. If I'm the coach for the Pirates, uh, who is that? That's Derek Shelton, I believe. I, I don't want Beto to have to face the Cubs again. Plain and simple. Not that soon. Cubs have been 7-3 and three in their last 10. Like, 
they've been playing good baseball. I think they their run has been pretty good, like because they were playing very bad there for a while. And Patrick Wisdom went on a huge slide. Trey Mancini's gone on a huge slide. But they have that Christopher Morrell who's been great. My brother picked him up, and hats off to you, Lando. He's been very good, very good. And I will admit, um, what I think Chris Bassett had a bad start yesterday. So I want to own up to that. Let's take a look at that real quick. But Chris Bassett still overall has been very good this year. So I will stand by that. But, yeah, he got beat up yesterday. Defense did not help him out. Uh, two two errors, I believe, while he was playing. Um, so three earned. You just could not get guys out. Against the best offense in, Mer- in the American League, too. But what do we say? So that what does that tell you? He's not a great pitcher. He's a good pitcher. Because he struggled against good the best teams. And the great pitchers are the ones that can do well against the great teams, right? Um, so we have, what was the other game I wanted to look at here real quick? Toronto and Miami. That game started, I believe, about 530 because they're in Miami tonight. So it's, it's a little East Coast. And Jose Barrios. I don't know. Jose is so, so interesting. He's, I honestly believe, I knew he was going to kind of get dinged up tonight because he was facing Luis Arise with the Miami Marlins. And Luis, mind you, is batting 393. So that's insane. But I knew that Luis is going to probably get a hit every time up, or at least like very good at bats every time up because Luis is just so good. And. Yeah, he's two for two tonight already in a run scored. And he got a run scored because Jorge Soler came up and hit a ding-dong his 21st of the year. Boy, oh boy, has Jorge Soler been good. And they're running him in the two slot. That's what's wild. And Jesus Sanchez, who's usually like a 200 average hitter with a lot of power, he's been 274 this year. Brian De La Cruz, he's been like this Miami team's playing good baseball. They're 41 and 31. Watch out, NL East. They didn't need Pablo Lopez. That Luis Arise trade is exactly what they wanted. And Luis has been very good defensively despite him not being what you'd call an elite defender. He's not an elite defender. He's not even a great defender. He's an okay defender. And he's been pretty dang good. And if Garrett Cooper can get going and John Birdie can keep doing what he's doing, they got Jonathan Davis up doing fun stuff. He was a fun player for the Tigers. That Miami Marlins team, in the past, fantasy experts will tell you to stay away from Marlins hitters. I think they, there's a case out there right now to start at least putting Marlins hitters on your watch list. They're well coached. They have a good stadium to pitch in. And they are a fun team to watch. There's something fun about them. So... That's that's the episode this week. Uh, I know we went in a little direct, different direction. I want to kind of talk about more at the team level what's happening with some of these teams. More as like, not even so much like it's just a general baseball podcast, but it lets us understand what's happening then. It paints a clearer fantasy picture in my opinion. If you don't like that, please reach out to me and let me know at Adam for Baseball on Twitter. Um, and if you do like it, or if there's something you're interested in me talking about, please reach out. Uh, you won't hurt my feelings if you have 
an opinion on something because we live in a country where you're in a lot where you're allowed to have an opinion and that's a beautiful thing god bless america see ya